Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Hey there, and welcome to episode 45. I'm recording this on Thursday, the 21st of January, 2021, the day after Joe Biden was inaugurated as 46th President of the United States, and Kamala Harris as the first female Vice President. A great day for sustainability activists all over the world. In his speech, Joe Biden said, Folks, it's a time of testing. We face an attack on our democracy and on truth, a raging virus, a stinging inequity, systemic racism, a climate in crisis, America's role in the world. And of course, many of us elsewhere in the world are facing those same testing challenges. President Biden went on to say, it's time for boldness for there's so much to do. And he urged us to take action, remembering that we'll be judged, you and I, by how we resolve these cascading crises of our era. In today's episode, I'm talking to Peter Desmond, my colleague here at Rethink Global, and someone who's deeply committed to solving some of those challenges, especially around climate and inequality. Peter is a circular economy coach, workshop facilitator and strategic advisor. He's done lots of work in Africa and is co-founder of the African Circular Economy Network. He helps businesses find circular opportunities, create a compelling business case and broaden their network. Peter's keen to work with small and medium businesses and startups, helping them use the circular economy to succeed and prosper. Peter Desmond uses his experience from 40 years as a strategic advisor, coach, trainer and senior finance executive to support small and medium enterprises and corporates in the UK and Africa in getting started on their circular economy journeys. Peter's worked as a coach and mentor with government support programmes for entrepreneurs and growing businesses such as, such as Clean Growth UK and Business Link. He's a Circular Economy Club mentor and until recently was local organiser for Brighton and Hove chapter in the UK. Peter is also a chartered accountant and MBA graduate, which brings a broad commercial perspective to his circular economy work. Peter also has a master's in globalisation, business and development from the Institute of Development Studies at Sussex University. His dissertation looked at the constraints on recycling mobile phones in the context of moving towards a circular economy in South Africa, enabling him to uncover the ways that circular approaches are better for developing economies. In 2016, Peter returned to South Africa to co-found and chair the African Circular Economy Network. This aims to build a restorative economy that creates well-being and prosperity for people all across Africa whilst regenerating environmental resources. The network now has over 100 representatives in 30 countries across Africa. 
Peter, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you, Catherine, for inviting me. And it's um, great to um, see you in inverted commas on Zoom again. And uh, um, just just to uh, explain that we have regular calls. We've been working together for a, uh, a few years, having first met back in 2017 after you contacted me about uh, reading the book. And uh, we, we got talking about our shared interest in the circular economy. And soon after that, decided to start working together, doing workshops, uh, various talks, supporting each other with other projects. And now we're embarking on um, some more formal circular coaching programs. So perhaps we could start with a few quick examples of your experience in circular coaching, because you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Catherine, I just wanted to make your head even bigger than it already is that uh, the first edition of your book was um, the best book I'd ever read on the circular economy. And um, now having in the process of reading the second edition, it's still the case. A great range of case studies and um, explanations of circular business models, uh, particularly in, in supply chains, which is why I contacted you in the first place. So um, it's great to have this chance to explain a bit about my background and some of my experiences. Good stuff. That I'm not. I'm not quite sure about that uh, head already bigger than it is. <laughs> Might need to take you up about that afterwards. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't think you're a big head at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, the the uh, the experience that I've had actually in recent years on coaching businesses in the in the circular economy is actually quite varied. And just three quick examples of um, of how this has happened. The first one is um, called Superlupo. Um, I met Jenny Barrett in a coffee queue at uh, Brighton Chamber uh, Conference in 2017. And it was uh, a strange conversation. I said, what do you do? And she said, well, I sell um, organic, environmentally friendly baby clothes and children's wear. And I said to her, have you ever heard of Vigor, uh, which is a Danish subscription-based clothing model for children? And she said, no, I haven't. I said, well, perhaps you could think about it. And um, I then went on over the, the last few years to, to help her think about what that might mean for her business. And actually last month, um, she launched Superlooper Life, which is an online clothing library of uh, pre-loved baby clothes that parents can rent for as long, long as they need them before they return them and, uh, and then take out different clothes for different sizes. So that was really a great um, a uh, privilege for me to be able to see a, a business grow like that, a new business model for an existing organization. And um, I helped her connect, um, guided her in a strategy, introduced her to possible funders and potential volunteers and clients. So um, that I think is maybe one element of how circular coaching actually happens, sometimes by chance, but then very deliberate in, in how you work with people. Mm. Um, the second example is called it's called Circular Clarity, which is a um, it's a new business. Uh, it's it's a circular approach to making carbonated water, um, and it's at the stage of developing the concept from the initial idea. Um, and it's it's something that is still very much in its early days, and I can't really say too much about it. But the the aim is to reduce plastic waste, to minimize, minimize carbon footprint, uh, and we're in the process of applying to Innovate UK for grant funding. And um, part of my role there was to you know, assist with developing um, applications for grant funding, but also to um, support the entrepreneur um, 
at funding pitches and uh, look at some of the commercial elements of the project, um, including finance and risk. And I know that risk is uh, something that's dear to your heart. Absolutely. And just thinking about the um, trying to avoid plastics and not just focus on um, making plastics recyclable and, and um, you know, hoping that they get recycled. I've just been looking at some stats from the Break Free, Break Free from Plastic campaign, saying that even if companies and governments around the world met all of their circular commitments on plastic packaging, we'd only reduce the amount of plastic ending up in the oceans by 9% in, over the next couple of decades. So we've got a long way to go. And I think avoiding the need for plastic in the first place has got to be uh, one of the, the, you know, the key strategies. Absolutely, yes. Um, and the third example is uh, of an existing business that uh, I've, I helped to uh, help the directors rethink where they were where they were going in the longer term. So it's a, it's a joinery company uh, called Sterling Joinery and uh, they're based in London and they, they have some real ambitions to be more sustainable and look at um, circular opportunities for um, reusing some of the main materials um, and to, to remanufacture as well as using sustainable wood in some of their, um, some of their uh, products, including growing the wood themselves um, in, a, in an East Sussex woodland. So, uh, and, and that really was as helping the, the directors think through some of their strategies. Um, so the, I think people can get involved in circular coaching uh, at, at lots of different stages of, of their, um, the life cycle of their business. Um, everybody can benefit from having someone walk alongside them. Yeah, I agree. And certainly in my uh, consultancy experiences in, in the past, just having an outside um, viewpoint on something can bring up things that that you've just almost um, been blind to it's you know things have become wallpaper they might have been problems in the past you weren't able to overcome them and now and now you've forgotten all about um, the fact that it's a problem in the first place so having that fresh perspective is is really useful I think so Peter tell us a bit more about your background and how that's led to you helping businesses go circular yeah, it, it, it builds on something you just said, actually, Catherine, about having an external perspective. And uh, my, um, I left university with a geography degree and um, had no idea what I wanted to do. So someone said, become an accountant, which I did. Um, so I'm a chartered accountant and have, um, it's really never let me down and I haven't let it go either. Uh, and I've over the years done some interim finance director roles, which is where an outside perspective and somebody with a, a different uh, take on the business could be quite Quite useful can be challenging because not everybody uh, likes what you say but uh, at least you can uh, you, you're able to um, express your opinion and so um, about 30 years ago I set up my own company Growth International which has been going for about 30 years and uh, probably starting to wind down as I near my 66th birthday next February um, but in the meantime um, that management consultancy um, has been informed by many different things and a lot of them have, have happened not by chance but by suggestions of other people so I joined um, the Royal Society of Arts in 1991 and somebody told me about tomorrow's company um, which has continued since then in various different shapes and forms and so my interest in sustainability and business ethics have really helped me think about um, environmental and social impact which um, have been very much part of the work that I've done I also ended up um, 
as well as a master's, um, did some coaching training with Newcastle College. And that also helped me develop some skills about how to help people as they as I move along uh, with them. And um, what really also informed what I do is, is working with um, some uh, government schemes, which have um, over the years been, I think, extremely impactful. Sadly, they don't they don't exist in the form they used to. So things like train to gain, access to finance, green growth vouchers. We, we now are left with a relatively small number of um, government support programs, but uh, things like Advanced London and Clean Growth UK, there is still now support for small businesses, often in the green space. And it really was at the end of the day, my master's um, at the Institute of Development Studies that got me into the circular economy. Uh, my, my supervisor, encouraged me to look at this thing in 2015, which he'd only just heard about. Um, and so I started researching it um, and did a dissertation, uh, doing some primary research in South Africa on the challenges of recycling mobile phones. So yeah, that's how I got into, um, from an accountant to a circular coach. Yeah, it's a fascinating journey. And I think your insights in Africa have been uh, really useful to helping helping um, you and the other members of the African Circular Economy Network think about the different challenges in a developing economy as opposed to a, uh, an industrial or even mm. post-industrial economy. Mm. I'm curious to know a bit more about that. Can you tell us a bit more about some of those challenges and um, the kind of things that uh, businesses and social enterprises are doing? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll come back to the, the Africa um, situation because you... There are some challenges which are not too dissimilar, um, but being solved in a different different way. Um, and one of those um, challenges is funding. And given my um, my background, it is something which has been of great interest to me to to see just how circular businesses or businesses looking to go more circular can actually fund these developments. Um, and so there are there are probably for me two different elements. To this the first one is about. Um, small and medium-sized enterprise like Sterling Joinery who, who actually want to be more sustainable. And I mean by that two senses, one about keeping the show on the road, keeping the business moving, but also how they can experiment with circular business models and commercialize those initiatives. And for companies like that, um, very often they will have some reserves, cash reserves that can be applied to that research and development. But to be honest, they tend not to last that long. So um, businesses at that stage would very often look to, to banks for uh, loans or to venture capitalists for uh, equity. Um, but actually, the banks are not that keen um, to lend to, to businesses, even though they're existing and have got a track record, um, because very often they're looking for security um, to be put down against the loans. And uh, in my experience, banks do not want to, uh, people to mortgage their family home to put down a security for the business. Um, and equity investors, in comparison, will often be looking for a very solid business case and a clear exit strategy. And you don't have to look at many episodes of Dragon's Den to really understand what they're looking for. Yet they do bring different expertise um, to the party and connections. And yet sometimes you need creativity in financing. And I once um, advised the company um, on, on their, um, their business development strategy who was actually using a rolling approach to funding their business through their personal credit cards by paying one card off for another. And for an existing business of several hundred thousand, that really was a bit of a challenge and not, certainly not something I'd recommend. Um, but it managed to keep them afloat until they could uh, source a bank loan. 
Crikey. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunately laughable, um, but, but it, 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 it's actually true. Um, well, I, I, guess, I guess if times are hard in business, then, um, you know, business owners will um, do everything in their power to, to keep things going, as we've seen through um, mm -hmm. the coronavirus and, and lockdown and so on. People have, have had to get creative, haven't they, about either, um, you know, funding things or um, reducing costs or pivoting the business and so on. No, you're absolutely right, and that was the case there. Definitely, they had no other source of um, of, of funding, and and there's there's two different things that people need to think about. One is about cash flow, working capital, how they um, you know pay creditors and, and collect debts, but also how they invest for the future. So you might use an overdraft to do, manage the cash flow, but if you wanted to put uh, research and development uh, effort into developing a new product or a new business model, you would probably need longer term funding to be able to do that. Um, and that's where it becomes more difficult for startups because um, unless they have um, their own personal savings or the bank of mum and dad, um, then actually it's going, it is a real challenge. Um, we have here where I live in, in West Sussex, uh, somebody who runs a coffee shop has just decided to open up a plastic free shop and um, empty shop in the village. Um, they've taken it over and are doing it up themselves, but their parents are the ones who have um, provided the necessary funding to get it going. Um, and so getting grants, loans, and even equity can be considered, but accessing those funds is time consuming. You've got to be able to take rejection and learn lessons for, for the next time you have a crack at it. Um, I don't think it's an easy thing to do to look for funding for your business. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, if you haven't got, if you've got a good idea uh, like Circuit Clarity, it's possible that you really have to go hell for leather to, to apply for a, like an Innovate UK grant fund. Um, but Circularity Capital and other specialist private equity firms are really looking for something more established. Um, and yet I do hear, I um, had a conversation the other day with some people from the European Investment Bank who are actually developing some very innovative ways of funding circular economy initiatives, uh, both in Europe and um, in Africa um, through uh, methods they call risk sharing. Um, there's also a new British bank called, uh, well, it's called the British Business Bank, um, but that tends to be more um, focused on traditional SME lending market. Um, but as a way of encouragement, both the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and the European Investment Bank have both recently issued reports on uh, new ideas about funding circular economy initiatives. Yeah, I think more more banks are becoming open to it. And there was an interesting podcast from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, six months or so ago uh, with an Italian mm. bank that worked a lot with small businesses. Mm. And they really saw circular economy as, as um, a way to build resilient, more future fit business models and were very keen on um, supporting their customers um, to get there. And it was an Italian based bank, but they had branches all over the, mm. the world. That's right. I think there are some Dutch banks that do similar. And we mustn't forget, because both of us feel strongly about this, is that there are other disruptive banks um, now in the UK, including Triodos, um, an ethical um, uh, bank, which um, we both use for our, um, some of our um, banking. And they uh, have, a, have different approaches to how they invest in uh, more sustainable businesses, and they have crowdfunding platforms. Um, so I think we'll see the emergence of different banks producing different ways of funding these initiatives 
which is very encouraging, even if they are coming from Europe rather than from um, homegrown at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And there are also platforms like the Abundance platform, um, which is helping uh, private, you know, uh, uh, people with um, a bit of money to put into ISAs or other small scale investments to invest in councils and businesses and social ent enterprises that are all doing, um, you know, green energy projects, sustainable housing and so on. Um, so there are moves in that direction as well. So, so Peter, let's let's come back to um, a bit about the difference between the challenges in in um, UK and Europe versus versus Africa. What are the similarities mm. and, and differences? <laughs> well, um, I suppose that's actually pretty straightforward. One is the similarity is getting funding. Um, the differences are or is is the context because um, our experience in four years of working in Africa on the circular economy. There have been um, over generations, really, different approaches to um, solving problems like poverty, uh, lack of resources. And um, when I was last in Johannesburg, um, you don't have to walk very far to find a whole street of repair, phone repair shops. Nothing gets wasted um, because the resources are short and it costs money. And so um, the, the solution in Africa is to make the most of absolutely every resource that you can possibly find but also be innovative um, and examples uh, of innovation are, um, these are pretty well known, um, but in, in Africa, but not necessarily that well known in, in Europe or other parts of the global North. In Nigeria, um, a, um, an initiative called Hello Tractor provides um, tractor services using a sharing platform via text messaging and mobile money, um, which is quite, common um you the use of mobile money in africa is, is quite common in in two or three countries um another example is agri-protein in south africa which is um a nutrient recycling of organic waste using black soldier fly uh, larvae to produce protein for animal feed and i heard today that that is now going to be used in in other countries across africa um, and finally safi organics in kenya um, where rice waste rice husk is collected from rice farmers and then process into fertilizer and soil treatments and then sold back to the same rice farmers. So there are some great examples of circularity actually going on uh, in Africa, um, but the context is different. Um, and in fact, different between countries as well, because the, uh, the way that legislation um, has developed, um, both regulations, laws, um, it varies hugely. And one of our, um, uh, so two prongs of um, approach that we have in, uh, in the African Circular Economy Network is to engage with uh, policymakers um, and also to um, create a platform of case studies. And I know that in your book, um, there are many hundreds of case studies and we're looking to put uh, onto a platform um, case studies that, are, that show what the problems are, the challenges are in Africa and how um, companies have, um, have overcome them. Um, so the African... Circular Economy Network is actually a member of the African Circular Economy Alliance, which is a group of policymakers um, uh, across across the continent. So, by um, our work is on the ground with entrepreneurs. The uh, the alliance they're working um, with governments and policymakers, and so working at both ends of the spectrum, along with funders like the African Development Bank, can support these entrepreneurs as they um, try to develop their business. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important, and also to emphasise the value of getting all these case studies out into the open because before you know it, um, you know somebody in another country with similar challenges to the country that you're in has already solved um, one of the problems that you're looking at, and there are ways of you know either sparking ideas or collaborating with people to help spread new technology and uh, you know um, algorithms and artificial intelligence to help sharing platforms and resource exchanges and all sorts of other things so spreading the knowledge of what what's happening everywhere on the circular economy is, i think is really important mm, definitely and so what's your top tip peter for anybody wanting to use circular approaches in their business or to start a circular business from scratch well unlike um, most accountants who don't say very much um, when asked questions like that. I do have a number of uh, top tips um, and they're probably nothing new. Um, but I would say get started. Um, if you want to do something, just get going. It's like writing a dissertation. Just get writing. Um, write, writing a book, I imagine, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but also to, <laughs> to read a lot about the circular economy. Um, there is a lot out there. Um, quite uh, accessible it's not all uh, academic i'd also suggest people learn from the mistakes of others as best they can um, people are also being a lot more honest now about um, their uh, what it's taken to get to where they are i i also find that it's 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 great to um to work and be encouraged by uh like-minded people who are going to support you rather than put you off um and particularly in the longer term i think you need to to be resilient as, as in an individual um, and probably also as a business, if you are, if you're trying to develop new business models for your own, um, your own uh, company. Um, but I think by doing these, these approaches, you are going to make a difference and help us all to contribute towards the UN sustainable development goals and mitigate the negative impacts of climate change, because the circuit economy definitely has a lot of contribution to make towards those. Yeah, definitely. And I think your point about finding like-minded people is is worth restating. It's, you know, the circular economy is still not that well uh, known about. And it's certainly not that well understood with people thinking it's mostly about recycling. And so it's easy to come up against sceptics who tell you that, you know, this isn't going to work or customers don't want this or, um, you know, business as usual is, is more profitable. So finding people who can help you unlock bits of the business case and um, and as you said share their learnings I think is is really important to keep your motivation going and help you come up with um, you, you know more ideas for how you can make circular work in your business mm. so Peter yeah. is there is there anybody that you'd recommend for a, f a future podcast or a favorite circular economy example that you'd like to share um, I'll take that question as an and rather than an or <laughs> <Okay>. um, so <laughs> there's me being disruptive um, I, I think I'm very keen to suggest uh, an African example and uh, one which is um, part of the circular economy which is doesn't get as much airtime as it really needs in, in the future and that's the design element of the circular economy so uh, there's a, a, a chap I work with uh, who's based in Kenya called Wakeza Zablon who runs uh, a company called Circular Design Nairobi. And what they're doing is um, working with people to maximize resources, cutting out waste through design. 
um, and they look at the whole value chain and try to make structural changes at a design level. And he's got some very interesting experiences to share. And the and is um, my favorite circuit economy example from Africa. Um, I hadn't heard about this uh, till about six months ago. Um, and that's fish leather. Um, in Kenya, this is very popular. I didn't realize that um, you can tan fish skin um, like you, you can cow hide. So what you do, um, you, you, you set up a workshop next door to a fish factory. You ask them if you can have all their skins that they're not going to do anything with, and you tan it. And you make it into um, jackets, hats, shoes, bags, clothes, um, all those kind of accessories. And amazingly, it doesn't actually smell of fish. So what you're doing is using um, a, a waste um, resource um, to, to make something usable. Um, so that's, that's my favourite example of uh, the circular economy in Africa. Yeah, and that's another example of something that could be applied in pretty much every country around the, around the world. Mm. And um, yes. yeah, mm. I've certainly seen uh, salmon leather being used for belts and bags and so on. It, it's um, making use of every single resource that we have and not letting any part of an animal particularly um, go to waste is, uh, mm. is really important. Yeah. And how can people find out more and, and get in touch if they want to talk to you about the African Circuit Economy Network or about coaching, Peter? Um, well, um, Africa, the work that we do is um, the best way of contacting us is through uh, our website, asen.africa, A-C-E-N dot Africa. Um, and um, yeah, uh, so yeah, that's probably the best way of doing that. And um, circular coaching, well, I suppose it would be rethink global dot info, wouldn't it, Catherine? Yep, definitely. <laughs> so I'll put put the <laughs> put those links in the in the show notes, and um, yeah, and uh, you're on LinkedIn, um, quite active on LinkedIn, sharing yep. circular economy information on there for UK, Europe, Africa, and beyond. Yes. That's fantastic, Peter. Thanks for sharing those. And the um, Africa examples sound really good. I'd, I'd certainly like to follow up with a link to uh, Riqueza about his circular design practice. be interesting to compare what's happening in Africa with um, uh, Dan Dicker from Circular and Code, uh, the design practice yes. in the UK. be good to see what, what different kind of products they're focusing on. So thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to, um, to share these thoughts, Catherine. Yeah, it's a pleasure and good to talk to you again, as always, Peter, and talk to you soon. OK, <laughs> OK, thank Thanks you. Then. I was interested to hear about the challenges of getting access to suitable sources of funding for circular initiatives. Peter made the point that a venture capital funder often wants a proven business model and it's worth remembering that venture capital funds often push businesses to grow quickly so the fund makes a high return on investment and can then exit. Banks, too, will be looking for proven business models. Peter's noticed that grants for circular economy and sustainability initiatives are now becoming more common and thinks it's worth spending some time looking for those, either instead of or in addition to other funding sources. And of course, the example of using your credit card to finance the project or startup is not recommended. Having the support of someone like Peter with the right experience to help you think through what kind of funding to look for 
and how to successfully navigate the application process can be invaluable, saving you precious time and increasing your chances of success. Peter also recommended finding like-minded people to support you. They can act as a sounding board or they can challenge you. Are you being realistic, being ambitious enough? Are you making assumptions? Are you too focused on your original idea and ignoring user feedback or new, new research that could alter your thinking? That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode, as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. <music>